Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. It is bowl season. It is the postseason in college football. And we have 10 ACC bowl games to break down. We will not do all 10 today. That would be crazy. That would be like a four hour (laughs) episode. And that would just be a lot. But we are going to get into all of them throughout December, and I'm going to throw the mic to our official president of scheduling, Eric McLean, who is going to take the floor and tell us what in the heck is going to be our schedule. Mac. Come on, KG. I'm, I'm jacked up for this because there's so many great games, so many really fun matchups. We're going to dive into all of them. As KG said, uh, today on this particular episode, we're going to be focusing on the Military Bowl, the First Responder Bowl, and the Pinstripe Bowl. And for some of you who are following very close, you're, you're like, wait, hold on. There's a bowl in between the first responder and the pinstripe that, that doesn't add up. Where's the holiday bowl? Well, we will be covering that next week in another episode because we have some special guests from NC State coming uh-huh. on that'll help us cover that bowl. So these are the three that we're going to focus on. And uh, KG, we also have a little uh, Dan Radakovich discussion uh, here today. Some breaking news as of last night, if you're listening to this Tomorrow, when this drops, Dan Radakovich headed to Miami to be the new athletic director there. Um, first and foremost, I'm excited for his next step. I'm excited for his next journey. Uh, clearly did a ton for Clemson, for Kelly and I while we were there uh, as student athletes and the things that the, the places that he was able to take little old Clemson into a, a big time athletic department. Cannot thank him enough for everything that he's done. And for him to still be in the ACC, KG. So we, as professionals, still get to stay close, cover D-Rad, and and see the great things that he's doing at Miami. I sent him a text last night and said, excited for your next chapter, man. Get the U back. And, uh, you know, he he sent me a little note and then a couple of uh, flexing arms. So he's excited (laughs) about the challenge and uh, really, really excited to get going down there. Yeah, I love it. And look, here's – I'll just put our cards on the table. Mac and I – have a really good relationship with D-Rad. We know him pretty well, and and he's just always been good to both of us. Um, And so we don't have anything bad to say about Dan Radakovich. If you're looking for that, you got to look to another podcast. But (laughs) I think this is such an interesting move for him. And if you look at his career trajectory, it makes a lot of sense because he's never stayed at one place for too long. I think Clemson may have been his longest stop, And wherever he goes, he's going to a place that needs a little tweaking or rebuilding. At Georgia Tech, he built McCamish Pavilion. That is one of the best basketball arenas in the ACC. I love that arena. At Clemson, he did some expansion to Memorial Stadium. Right now, they're getting ready to put in a new scoreboard, which was his work, but it's going to be done next year. Of course, Little John was completely revamped, and that's huge for Clemson basketball. He also was huge in bringing softball to Clemson, which I think is something we can't overlook. That's been a big deal. And now he's going to Miami. And what does Miami need? They need new facilities. And so I think that's going to be a big part of of what he's going to try to do. And they need an athletic director that has a ton of experience that can help bring them back. And so overall, even though Clemson is losing him, I think this is a net gain for the ACC. And then on the flip side, from reports that we're hearing, Mac, and just stuff that – you and I are both hearing Graham Neff is 
looking to be the replacement for Radakovich. He has been D-Rad's right-hand man for many, many years. I know, Mac, you know Graham well. Graham, I think, is going to do a great job. And the thing with Clemson right now is you're just kind of handing the football off. Like, you can continue what he's doing and maybe put your own stamp on it, but still, there's a lot of continuing and just continuing to keep Clemson at the top. But, Mac, I know you think Graham is a good choice. Yeah, well, for, just want to piggyback on the Miami thing real quick. I, I think he's going to do great things, D-Rad, for Miami and the opportunity that he's going to have down there. It's going to be a big struggle. It's going to be a big challenge. There are going to be some very unique things that he will have to deal with down there that he did not at Clemson. You know, the, the price of land, the availability of land right. is much different in Clemson, South Carolina, than it'll be down in Coral Gables. But I don't think there's any question that if there's a guy that can do it, if there's a businessman, if there's an athletic director, it is Dan Radakovich. And, and just excited to see what he is going to be able to do how he's going to be able to do it, and how quickly. Because I think that there is a sense of urgency around this entire situation. Uh, moving to Clemson, as you said, yeah, Graham Neff should be the guy. I think that there is support from the highest parts of Clemson that want that to happen. Uh, you know, from the football coach to, to other coaches to, uh, you know, board of trustee members. I think that everyone that, you know, I've kind of spoken to and heard from, that's where they want it to go. So I, I think it's it's common sense. It's a no-brainer. And Graham has been the right-hand guy for Dan Radakovich for many years now. And he's been right there with him. I can't tell you guys countless meetings that before I worked for the network that I would sit in that, you know, Dan was supposed to be in, that he got called away and Graham was in. So they're essentially 1A, 1B. Uh, Graham will be fantastic for the university. And, and, you know, like you said, KG, things will not change. There might be a little spin on it, a little bit of Graham's, you know, thing, but He'll be tremendous. And some other news that's kind of coming out overnight as well with Louisville and their mm. athletic director wanting to go to Florida State, then he doesn't want to go to Florida State. So there are a ton of changes in the ACC happening right here that we'll try to keep you guys up to date as quickly as we can and, and as these things happening. And, of course, everyone knows about Tony Elliott possibly going to Virginia. So there's going to be a lot of change probably on these next couple of episodes that we do release. For sure, Mac. And this is the craziest time of year and everything's changing. One more note about Clemson and then we'll get into these bowl games because I know if you're a BC fan, you are turning this on to talk about your bowl game. You you don't really care about the inner workings of Clemson. But for the Clemson fans, I'll say this. Stephanie Ellison is the senior women's administrator and I've gotten to know her. I think now the SWA is still a really big job. For people who don't know the, the inner workings, you're, you're kind of the head of the women's side of athletics. We'll see if she gets a bump, too, because she is a star. She is. So just keep an eye on that for Clemson. Mac, before we dive into these other exciting bowl matchups, we need to tell our listeners about our new partner and the best bowl out there. <laughs> you already know what time it is, KG. The Duke's Mayo Bowl. That is where it's at. All you need to know, guys, is that our dear friends at Duke's Mayo have expanded their footprint by not only putting their name on the Duke's Mayo Classic and the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but they are adding value to these games by giving consumers the experiences that they crave. Mm, yes, indeed. Speaking of experiences, Mac, Duke's Mayo wants all of you to be a y'all star. All you have to do to enter the sweepstakes is go to their website, dukesmayo.com slash y'all stars, and enter some basic information so they can get a hold of you, let you know that you've won. And this is what you can win. Four on-the-field tickets to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina versus South Carolina, 
VIP experience, which uh, could insist of sitting inside of a mayo jar. That's going to be the on the field. <laughs> Travel, hospitality, stadium tour, and more. And probably some free mayo, I would hope. I would imagine that free mayo is in your future if you sign up to be a Y'all Star. Kelly told you how to do it. Dukesmayo.com slash Y'all Stars. Guys, when you choose Duke's mayonnaise, you add some twang to your game day dishes, giving you the edge to be the Y'all Star of every football tailgate. And there's going to be a lot of tailgating coming up. Maybe some home gating, KG, for all these bowl games. Indeed, indeed. Okay, speaking of these bowl games, Mac, let's start with the military bowl. Boston <laughs> College versus East Carolina. BC is 6-6. Six and six. ECU 7-5 and five overall. This game is at 2.30 on ESPN December 27th. As of now, Boston College is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 51. Mac, this game is very important for Boston College because you're, you ended your regular season on a sour note. You lost to Wake Forest, and you got blown out. You got kind of embarrassed. I know that BC was dealing with a flu bug and things like that, but it still, it was an embarrassing loss for Boston College at home and you're trying to grab some momentum as you head into next year, and Phil Dracovic is coming back. That's a big thing. That's a big factor here in this bowl game. Not only is Phil Dracovic opting in to your bowl game, but of course he's coming back for next year. I think BC, that's going to provide them with a, a lot of energy, momentum, enthusiasm going into this game. Yeah, there's, there's no question about it. And I, I think when you look at really their last two offensive performances against FSU at home, against Wake Forest at home, these offenses just look terrible. Couldn't throw the ball, could hardly run it. Phil Dracovic looks super banged up and sick. Um, and, and so I know that the Eagles want to get that taste out of their mouth, so they have to figure this thing out after having those back-to-back, -back, you know, just underwhelming performances. Get back to who you are, and whether if that's running the football, rely upon that big offensive line up front, and, and Patrick Garwo, the great things that we've seen from him. Uh, you, you have to do it. You have to figure it out. One kind of sad thing to note, and I was getting a little teary-eyed as I was writing this rundown, KG, this will be the last time that we see Zion Johnson, Alec Lindstrom, Ben Petrula, no! uh, and, and maybe maybe someone else in a Boston College jersey. So I, I want to see these guys have a big encore, want to see them really go out on top and you know just be that dominant offensive line that we've seen at flashes. It hasn't been as consistent as you would hope. Um, and I think they have a really good chance to do that. Now, when you look at ECU and you look at their strengths, their weaknesses, what they do, what they don't do, their pass defense is, is below average. So if if you know we see Phil healthy, if if he's recovered from you know the flu bug and maybe his wrist is feeling a little bit better, having almost a month to get ready for this game, it should be a huge day for for him and and for Zay and for all these wide receivers, big Trey Barry in the passing game. So I think that they have a really good shot here, KG, to get some things going through the air, get back to that offense that they love and want to be. But it's just, I don't know. We haven't seen it in two games. So can they figure that out? Right. If you don't see it against DCU, a, a good, you know, a solid group of five team, but a group of five team nonetheless that, like you said, has a suspect pass defense. If you don't see that against ECU, I think that's a little concerning heading into 2022. Now, there's a, a lot of offseason, a lot of spring ball and mat drills and fall camp to go between the bowl game and 2022, but this would just be a really good sign for BC. The other factor here, Mac, is that BC, and I'm, I'm not knocking them for this. This was their own choice. Last year, they opted out of a bowl game. So this is Jeff Halfley's first bowl game. I think there's some pressure there, right? 
in a season where, yes, you, you get kind of a pass because Djokovic got hurt, but this is a bowl game where you're playing a group of five. It, there is some pressure to win this, I would think. No, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you, you should win this. It would be embarrassing if you don't. Let's just be honest. Any Anytime that you're faced up with a G5 team in a bowl game, you expect to handle business. You you expect to take care of what you need to, do the things necessary, and get a big W here. So when you, when you look at this game, I mean, the fact that, it, that it's played in Maryland, it's probably going to be really cold in Annapolis. Um, BC should be more than used to that. Uh, East Carolina, maybe not so much. So you have all these things kind of in your favor. Uh, you, you would really hope that Boston College can take care of business and you know, really get it done. But the good thing defensively for BC is that this is going to be another pretty big test. I mean, e- ECU favors the pass. I would say they're kind of balanced, but they want to throw the ball more. And this quarterback, when he's playing better competition, he's turned the ball over. So can you take advantage of that? Can you get your guys in a position to win, maybe get some extra opportunities in short field position, and just really, you should dominate a day like this. I agree. Now, we did see ECU push South Carolina earlier in the year. South Carolina was not as good as they are now early in the season. That game was also in Greenville, North Carolina. It was packed out, a lot of ECU people. So they have played some Power 5 teams this year relatively close. Mac, give me your key to this game. Yeah, for me, KG, it's all about the offense. The offense has to bounce back, whether we're going to throw it, whether we're going to run it, if we want to be balanced. We we have to be able to do what we want against a team like this. And what that's going to do is that's going to give you momentum and excitement going into 22. And, and you think of how invaluable that is. I know there's some people out there that maybe don't believe in momentum and think that you know a bowl game is is for you know that team and it doesn't help you in the future. That's not true. When, when you win a bowl game, when you win that last game, you are jacked up going into the future and, and just think of, okay, this is what we can look like. This is what we can do. We're going to build on this next year. That, that is a very important piece that Boston College should be able to get going into this next season. Well said, Mac. As someone who's played in quite a few bowl games, I'm talking about you, of course, not me. That is, is very well said. <laughs> My key for this game has kind of been the key all season long, whether it was Dennis Grissel or Phil Dracovic activate your most lethal weapon. His name Get him the is ball. Zay Come on. Flowers. Get this man the football, and you will be celebrating with flowers and trophies at the end of the military bowl. <laughs> we will make our picks on this game later on in the podcast on our Seaside Grown Fresh Picks segment. Mac, let's get to our next bowl game, the first responder bowl between Louisville and Air Force, Louisville six and six, Air Force nine and three overall, three fifteen game on ESPN December twenty eighth. Louisville's a one and a half point favorite. The over under set at fifty five and a half. Mac, this is going to be a run heavy game. I think you mentioned this when we were giving our initial thoughts. This game could take like two and a half hours because both <laughs> teams want to run. Air Force is a triple option team. I, I want to start with this because you, when you were at Clemson, y'all played Georgia Tech every year. Georgia Tech at that time was a triple option team. I know you're an offensive player, so it's a little different. But what is that prep like when you're prepping for a triple option team? Yeah, well, well, this is how different it is in season versus postseason. So for, for us, when knowing that we had Georgia Tech on the schedule, there would be a day in camp where those guys on the defense would practice. It would be triple option day. They would practice it. They would get ready for it. And then, ironically enough, uh, during our bye week, which a lot of the time maybe fell right before Georgia Tech or maybe a couple of games before Georgia Tech, they would take a, a 
a practice of that week uh, that we don't have anybody on Saturday where they would practice triple option and they would get ready for it because you don't see it. You never see it. And so it's not something that you regularly practice. You regularly have to prepare for. Um, and I'll tell you what, anytime that you might play like a smaller G5 team or, or FCS team that runs it, it certainly helps you later down the line as well for that game, just because then you get a full week kind of preparing for it and going against it. But a bowl game is going to be very unique and different because these guys are going to have, you know, 10 practices straight to figure it out and, and to understand the assignment, to understand what's going to be coming at you, how to defend it. Um, I will say it probably sucks for the uh, Louisville defensive line. Those guys are going to be get, getting cut Ugh. in the next 20 days uh, in preparation to this. So it, it'll be interesting to see how does this team handle it? Do they really have it locked in? Because, you know, this is assignment football. And, and when you play defense against the triple option, if you do not do your job, you will get exposed and they will find you. That That's the beauty of the triple option. It will find the weak point of your defense. Uh, so a big challenge for Louisville who the last time we saw them play a very good running team. Mm. Uh, oh, what was that, Kelly? Oh, Kentucky. That they, they just scored another rushing touchdown. Oh, so, yikes. Um, Why you got to do that, Mac? Why you got to do that, sorry, man? Sorry, L's up, everybody. L's up. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's another great running team on their schedule. So this isn't your average service academy. These guys can run the football. They've been so explosive all year long. And, and really, when you dive into – the matchups, you dive into the stats. Brad Roberts, he, he's their back that just gets a chunk of these runs, has 1,200 yards, just really been a tank for them. So they, they have to figure it out. They have to know what we're going to do defensively if we're Louisville. And then Malik Cunningham, I mean, just you got to bring it, brother. You got to bring it. You are the heart and soul of this team. You you rush for the most on the team. You've thrown for the most on your team. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, KG. And it, you know I think it is funny, too, that – you know, we saw this Cardinals team go crazy against Duke, go crazy against Syracuse, and we took the bait. We're like, man, they, they've got it. This is awesome. Those were two terrible teams, and Louisville is still the team of mm -hmm. mystery. So, honestly, I have no clue what t Louisville team is going to show up. We've seen them look fantastic. We've seen them look terrible. So, you know, I, I really don't know at the end of the day. This is another situation very similar to Phil Dracovic, where Malik Cunningham announced that he is returning to Louisville. So that's a very good sign for Louisville. This is a game that I think can truly give you momentum. Basically, everything we said about BC when it comes to bringing that quarterback back, it applies to Louisville. Now, Air Force is a team that is giving up less than 100 rushing yards a game. A lot of that is they want to control the clock. They're going to control the game. And so I think Louisville, you've got to get off to a quick start. You've got to sustain drives. Even If you score quick, all right, all right. If you're going to score, you're going to score. But Louisville has to sustain some drives, Mac. And I think that does involve passing the ball at least a good bit. So that's what worries me about this game is that Air Force, with you know what they do, they average 31 points per game, running the option. They rush for you know 350 yards a game. But they also can contain the run. Yeah, and that, so that's going to be really an interesting thing, KG, is, is can a team like Louisville, who wants to run it at their core, is a run-first team, can they establish any type of run at all? And then if they can't, you know, how effective can Malik be through the through the air? Because we've seen him at times just look freaky. But something that was shocking when I was really diving into this matchup, the fact that Malik has only gone over 300 passing yards just twice mm. this season. I mean, he has one of the best deep balls in college football, and, and that was that was an eye-opening stat to me. So they're going to have to throw it. It's just a question of how much 
offensively, and can you get any of your complimentary run game really going? Air Force is also feeling good. They've won three straight, so they're, they're feeling good. And then the last two games, they lost Army and San Diego State, two good teams. They lost both of those games by a touchdown, almost the exact score or the exact same score. Mac, what are your keys for this game for the Louisville Cardinals? Yeah, it's, it's really simple for Louisville, and it's stop the run. Please, please stop the run. Put a 10 in the box. Put all 11. If you have to have a coach out there as well, put 12 in the box and stop the run. Do whatever you can because that's what Air Force is going to do. There's no guessing game. Now, there might be a, a play-action trick pass, or they might throw a fade every now and again, so you have to be heads up, but they're running the football, guys. So, you know, if we see another Kentucky situation, if we see uh, a Kentucky situation of two years ago when they had Lynn Bowden, everyone knows all they're going to do is run the football and you still couldn't stop it. I need to see progress. I need to see the fact that you can understand what your opponent's going to do and that you can show some effort and stop it because it's been silly, quite frankly, the last time we've seen running teams, you know what they're going to do and you can't stop it. So, you have to get after it. And then, of course, kind of a, a baby key, uh, Malik has to sling it. And, and he can, he should. Got to have that confidence in his receivers and his throwing ability. <sighs> My key is just the fact that I'm concerned. Is that even a key? I'm just, I'm concerned about Louisville facing this triple option. I know you have a long time to prepare, but I, Louisville has not been known as the most disciplined team this season, back. If you want to uh, push back, you can. So it just it takes so much discipline, right? It's it's so boring defensively because <laughs> every play, this is my assignment. My assignment is the running back, or my assignment is the quarterback, or my, I have this gap. Like it's it's just it's tough, right? It's boring for the defense. No question, and that's why assignment football is so important, and that's why it can make or break you. You get lulled to sleep on. Fullback dive, fullback dive, quarterback run, and then boom, they're running the true option where they're getting out on the edge and look out, here they go. Uh, they, they've got a fleet in front of them. Um, <laughs> you you, you got to be careful. So this is a game that could get out of hand if you are not playing assignment football, KG. Indeed. Okay, let's get to our final bowl game that we are discussing today, and then we'll make some picks. The Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium. What a cool place to play a football game. That's going to be a fun experience, I think, for um, a lot of these guys. You've got Maryland versus Virginia Tech, a battle of 6-6 and football teams. 2-15 Eastern on December 29th. Virginia Tech, as of now, is a one-point favorite. Mac, I want to start with this because we're we're starting to see some opt-outs for Virginia Tech. Jermaine Waller just announced he's opting out. Does that concern you for uh, Virginia Tech yeah. in a game like this? Yeah, it does. I don't. First of all, I don't know who's going to play. There, there's so many opt-outs. There's so many transfers. There's so many guys going pro. Like I have no clue who's going to be available for this game. But what I think I can guarantee is that there will be eleven guys in. Virginia Tech jerseys when they're on offense and 11 when they're on defense, we might really? just not know who they are. We, we might have <laughs> to go to text the SID, hey, Pete, who the heck is number 43? <laughs> who knows, though? I yeah. don't know, KG. And that's why I, I low-key hate where we are as a college football product, the fact that we do have this happening so much. I mean, I remember back in – what was it, 2016 maybe, where the first opt-out happened and, and Christian McCaffrey and yep. that's my, Leonard Fournette. The first like high profile. Leonard Fournette did it too. Yeah, so those, when those two guys did it, it was just like, whoa. 
what is this? What's happening? And I actually remember coming on your radio station, The Roar, and talking about it a ton. Like, would you have done this? Who who could ever think about doing this? And now <laughs> it's like this almost guarantee. It's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how many and who. And I, and I hate that because I think this is important. I think that these games are cool for the team and the experiences. But at the end of the day, these young men are going to make their decisions accordingly. And, uh, you know, you can't be too mad at them for that. I understand it. I do, especially in a bowl game like this where – it's not it's not a super high profile bowl. Now, if Kenny Pickett opts out, I'm gonna be very sad. Kenny, so Kenny, Kenny, if you're listening. Talk to him, Mac. Don't opt out. We need you. The ACC don't needs do it, you. Man. College don't football needs you. I think that was kind of, I hope that was just kind of a knee jerk reaction. That maybe he was kind of taken aback by the news of of mm-hmm. you know Mark Whipple leaving in the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, maybe the fact that he's not having his guy calling plays. And so that is interesting when you when you're dealing with a guy who is trying to be the first quarterback taken. If you go out there and your play caller gives you some trash plays and you have a terrible plan. But I I just have to think that they could do that. And maybe, you know, it would honestly be fun for Kenny if he was involved in the game plan a little bit. If he's trying to help and you kind of make these plays and these call sheets. That could be a cool experience. So, Pitt, Kenny, if you're listening, uh, you know, do that. I'm I'm also available if you need an advisor. <laughs> Mac, okay, just a quick, one more quick thought on on that, and we'll get into all that when we talk about the Peach Bowl. Maybe I'm naive, maybe, and I get it. Whipple resigned because we've heard his relationship with Narduzzi wasn't great. They didn't want to renew his contract and pay him as much as he thought he was worth, et cetera. That just tells me that college football is now a complete and utter business because could he not just stay and coach the peach bowl? Like I'm sure his contract runs through January 1st or something. Like why wouldn't, why can't he just do that and do it for his guys and do it for Kenny and, and do it for Pitt and do it for all these guys you've coached all year that have bled and sweated and all this stuff. And it just, why can't you do that? That just, and I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know the whole thing, but I don't understand, Mac. Yeah, I know I agree. And and if it was a head coaching job, maybe I understand a little bit right, more. But, still, but the fact that it's a lateral a move game. to a much worse team, you're not gonna coach in a New Year's six, you're not gonna coach with your Heisman finalist, your your Peyton Manning Award potential winner, Golden Arm Ugh. winner, potential, all these things. Like, that's a weird look. And it just pisses if I was me Kenny, off, frankly. Right. If I was Kenny, I'd be very upset. Not to tell him how to feel or, you know, Kenny is an avid listener of the podcast. Um, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be happy with, with any of that situation. I think it's kind of foolish to be honest. It's but, gross. Hey, you it's know, maybe maybe, all has become. maybe Pitt told him to leave. I don't know. We we're not in that situation. So if yeah. we ever have uh the Nardus on here, we can ask him and say, Hey man, you know what what happened? What was the inside track on this? We we won't tell anybody. It's just between us and our listeners. See, and it's not even, it's not just Kenny. It's everyone. Exactly. It's Jordan Addison. It's Lucas Kroll. It's that offensive line. It's Izzy to the hizzy. It's all these guys. Like, this this would be a huge opportunity, and it still is, and they still might win the game, but I hate it for them. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox, Mac. Let's get back to Virginia Tech. J.C. Price is going to be coaching this game. This is a guy that we know has inspired this football team, and when you have a new coach coming in, in Brent Pry. I know he's not coaching this game, but he's going to be watching every single play, every single snap. Is there an added motivation there for these guys? Absolutely. I mean, now that you know, you know who your guy is, maybe if, if they didn't have a head coach right now going into next year, 
I could see a real lax in motivation. A guy's like, why are we doing this? What are we doing? But the fact that you do know your guy, the fact that he is going to be watching with great intent each and every play, you should be busting your tail. And especially these guys that are going to be getting a huge opportunity, kind of last second notice, not really, you've got a month, last second notice of guys opting out. Now I get this opportunity. I'm playing out of my mind. I'm going so hard because now I'm solidifying my future. I'm solidifying 22. And and really, that's what I hope we see from Virginia Tech. These guys play for each other and play for a brighter tomorrow. Play for the future and just really try to sell it to your coaching staff, those that will be staying, uh, and to your brothers that are coming back with you. So, again, we mentioned the, the slew of guys who are transferring, opting out, or going to the NFL. It's frustrating to see, and honestly, ACC – Football Virginia Tech has been one of those more frustrating teams for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the the glimpse of the future is important. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, Virginia Tech's DBs and and you know just guys get their hands on footballs. It's just they're in their DNA. Now Waller clearly a huge part of that. Uh, but but Talia Tungavailoa has turned the ball over. He's a little turnover prone. So can you take advantage of that? Can you get it going? Um, and at the at the end of the day, just offensively, KG, just do something. You know, pick. Do we want to run the ball? Do we want to throw the ball? And do it. Do something. Do something. Like the fact that we're averaging three seventy a game is just. I don't know. It's head scratching. It hurts to look at those numbers. Well, that that's what concerns me. And I'll just go ahead and give my key here. I just. I know Virginia Tech's going to want to run the football. That's all they've truly been able to do the past couple of games. And they did beat Virginia because, you know, water's wet, and that's what they do. But <laughs> if Maryland has three weeks to prepare for this, I, I feel like they're going to be ready. I, I, Virginia Tech is so one-dimensional to me. So find a way to not be one-dimensional. That's my key. Can you at least be 1.5-dimensional? Can you throw the ball a little bit? That, that's what I'm looking for from Tech. I, I love that. And my key kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that because I think the defense is going to have to – create turnovers, and create favorable field position. I mean, if, if you know Virginia Tech's having to go 90-plus yards each and every drive, I mean, look mm-hmm. out. Take the under and uh, maybe take Maryland. So it's going to be fascinating to see this Virginia Tech team, the, the just excitement that they come out with, the motivation they come out with. For all the reasons we talked about earlier, I think that we will see that. But you'll never know in this great sport uh, of college football. KG, let's make some picks. Let's do it. In the spirit of the holiday season, we are going to be doing a lot of picks these next couple of weeks, and not just games. We're also going to have some prop bets where we're going in each individual matchup and really having some fun things that we can pick at each other. But before we make these Seaside-grown fresh picks of the week, KG, let's tell our listeners about our partner. It is bowl season, as we've said. There's a ton of opportunities to home gate, and we've got games going on all day, every day. So let Seaside Grown help you get ready for game day. Start your home gate off right with Seaside's award-winning Bloody Mary mix. It's super simple. Just add your spirit of choice, and all the other flavors are there. No adding this or that. Pour, shake, garnish, drink, and repeat all day, and make that chili. That chili. I still dream of that chili sometimes. I have dreams of the chili, of the seaside grown, using the Bloody Mary mix for your chili. Mm. KG, I finally did it. I did it last you did night. It? I made the chili. <gasps> it was unbelievable. Matt, it was so good. I told you. It was so good. And I, I, you know, it's not that I didn't believe you, but I was like, okay, come on, KG. Like, 
chili. It's probably not that good. <laughs> it was some of the ever. best chili I've ever had. It's just all those ingredients. It's so fresh. It tastes so good. Um, so guys, you have to try that. KG has posted about it numerous times. It's on their website. It's on their Instagram. Go check out the Seaside Grown Chili recipe. It'll change your life. And if you're looking more for more than just the Bloody Mary mix, there are 19 true field the glass seaside products out there that are made fresh produce seaside grown grows locally or that they partner with other farms around America to get some more of that produce. Then those products are bottled in Seaside's very own commercial packing facility. By doing this, they provide unprecedented traceability for consumers knowing exactly where the food comes from in the farms into the acre, but then also where they are bottled. So they can really trace that. Guys, go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing products, and when you load up your cart, you're ready to check out. Use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your entire order. All right, Mac, let's pick some college football games. Boston College versus ECU in the Military Bowl. BC is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 51. Give me your pick, and then we'll do some of these prop bets. Come on, KG. So I'm going with Boston College here. I I feel comfortable with that line. I think that BC wins by more than a touchdown. I have to assume the offense is going to be better than the last two times that we saw them. Um, Over-under? might lean the over here, especially if BC really gets it going like I think they can. Um, so, so that's where I'm going. I'm going BC, and I'm going the over. I'm going BC as well. I, I think the talent will win out, and I think they're going to have a long time to prepare. This bowl game is going to mean a lot because they opted out last year. Djokovic's going to be healthier. I think BC wins, and I take BC minus three and a half. These prop bets, though. All right, our first one here, Mac. Phil Djokovic throws the ball over under 24 times. I mean, how absurd is that, that I even wrote that question down? (laughs) His high last year was 56. Yeah. His season high this year is 24. Now, he's been hurt. He only had very limited play time. But, guys, that is a drastic difference. With all that said, I hope and pray that he will be a little more healed. He's not going to be sick. And I have to go the over here, right, KG? Like, you have to. He's gonna throw. He's gonna under. throw it twenty five times. Come on! I'm taking the under. Oh I think BC gosh. is going. They're gonna be able. They're gonna be able to do what they want, and they're gonna be able to show that balance. And you know, I obviously pass blocking is a huge part of of playing O line, but I think they're gonna run it a little bit with their guys. The the last game for a lot of these these guys that have been on that O line forever. I think you're going to see a good amount of balance. He'll. I think he'll throw it like twenty times. Mm, that will just break my heart. All right. So KG went under. I went over. Here we go. Let's see the trend. All right, how about this one, KG? BC will register over under 400 yards of total offense. Ooh. This is difficult because That's very difficult. When you look at their average, when you look at what they've been able to do, which by the way has not been with their fully fledged offense the whole time, their average right. total yards is only 350. I'm going to go under. <laughs> I'm going to go under. I'm taking both unders here. I don't think BC just has an, an incredible offensive explosion, but I do think they win the game. Okay, I hear you there. I'm going over. So li- li- clearly we think this game's going to go different. Classic. I'm going to go over. Classic. I think Phil throws for over 300 yards. I think they get rolling. I think he feels good. And uh, okay. you know they have a great statement going into 22 here. I would love to see that. Would love to see that from the Eagles. Our next game, Mac, Louisville versus Air Force. 
in the first responder bowl. Louisville's a one and a half point favorite. The total's at 55 and a half. Where are you leaning mm, here? Louisville fans, close your ears. I'm oh, going no. Air Force. Air power. My dad's in the Air Force. My brother's in the Air Force. Everybody I know Perfect. is in the Air Force. I'm going with the Air Force. I think that running the ball, Louisville just can't stop it. They know it's going to come. Can't stop it. Can't do anything to prevent it. So with that said, I'm going Air Force, and I'm also going under. I think it's going to be a gross game. I think it's going to be a ball control game, a game that the only reason I'm watching is because there's an ACC game or an ACC team playing in it, and my eyes are going to hurt by the time this game is over. Mac, I'm with you 100%. Oh, I'm taking no. Air Force. <laughs> I'm taking Air Force here, Mac. I think that this is Louisville's not the team that I believe will thrive against the triple option even with more time to prepare. And so I'll take Air Force plus one and a half. Air Force is also playing really good ball. They won their last three, and Louisville's limping in from that Kentucky game. That's right. Let's talk about, as we've said, this whole game's going to be about running the football. Our prop bet here, Air Force, will they rush for over 320 or under 320 yards? This is rushing yards. Yeah, and guys, really, the the reason that I did this, their average is 340. So 321, if I say over – Mm-hmm. That's below their average. I think they blow that out of the water. I think they are over 320. Oof. I think Louisville continues to struggle against the run, against known running teams, and Air Force runs their way to victory, KG. Oh, man, we're just piling on here. We are piling on. I, I'm going to go over, too. Oh, man. Ah, I'm sorry, Louisville fans. I'm sorry. All right, Malik Cunningham over under four touchdowns. Is he going to have the ball enough? It, can Louisville possess the ball enough for him to have four total touchdowns? That is exactly why I'm taking the under. Uh, I don't think he oh, is. Man. I don't think he's going to touch the rock. That much. I mean, I'm predicting this game's going to be like 20 to, to 17. So, I mean, clearly that's yeah. not enough. Yeah. So, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's going to be frustrating. I think, like, they're going to feel like they have to score every time they touch the ball because it's not going to be a lot. And that could lead to some mistakes, some three and outs, maybe some crazy turnovers. So, Sadly, it's it has nothing to do with Malik. If Malik was out there by himself, right? yes, I think he would, but he's not. There's a whole defense out there that's going to let him down, I think. So I'm going under. Malik is still the best player on the field. No question. It's college football and, and systems matter and skill players matter. I'm with you. Let's move on. Let's move on from that game. That game's been so sad. Okay. <laughs> our final, our, our picks here to end the show, the Pinstripe Bowl, Virginia Tech and Maryland. Virginia Tech's a one-point favorite. Over-under is 55. I think Virginia Tech is a favorite because of the the name in this game, Mac. What do you think? Mm, that's interesting. I don't know. I, I was shocked that they were favored in this game, but I also have watched Maryland a couple of times this year. I mean, they they hurt themselves just as much as Virginia Tech does. Yeah, so they do. You're, you're talking about two very ugly games back-to-back in our selection here. Thank goodness they're separated by a day, so you can watch one, and then the next day you can watch the <laughs> you other. You can recover. You can recover and watch the other, and, and they're almost 24 hours apart, so you, you'll be primed and ready. I, I'm going Virginia Tech because of the reasons of motivation, the fact that they are going to want to play and make a statement for their new coach, that they're going to want to earn that playing time moving forward. So I'm taking VT. I think I'm going to take the under here too. 55 is a lot of points for these guys. But I would not be shocked if if they play their best day of offensive football somehow and really get this thing going. But I'm taking VT and I'm taking the under. Give me the under. There's no doubt about that, Mac. I'm taking Maryland. I don't trust. Look out. I don't trust who Virginia Tech's going to put on the field. 
Waller's opting out. We've heard about Barno opting out. Like, there's so many guys. So, and I, from what I've seen so far, I don't think Maryland is having that many opt-outs, mainly because they don't have a, that many pro prospects. But anyway, and when you look at common opponent, I know this was way at the beginning of the year. Maryland beat West Virginia. They beat them by six. Virginia Tech lost West Virginia. Long time ago. But the point is, the, the teams that Maryland is supposed to beat, that they at least have a chance to beat on their schedule, they've done that. Their losses have come to Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. They lost to Iowa. They lost to Ohio State. And they lost to Minnesota. That game was odd. So the teams that they're supposed to lose to, they've lost to. The teams they're supposed to beat. And the, the peers that they've played, they've beaten. So I'm going to go with Maryland. I'm taking Maryland plus one. I think that that is a smart pick. Um... I'm ashamed that I didn't do it, but my true homerism is coming out. Sure, of I understand. The ACC. And I, look, the motivation factor is there because JC Price is that guy could get me motivated to run through a brick wall. Sure. So I, I think you will have that. And you talk about forcing turnovers. Virginia Tech needs to force turnovers. Over under Virginia Tech forces two turnovers. So guys, when I wrote these questions, Jermaine Waller was still playing in the game. He is no longer playing in the game. I think yep. that that affects my number, but. If Virginia Tech's going to win this game, they have to force turnovers. So it's going to be something that is utmost important. Talia will give it up at times. Um, so I, I'm still going over there because I think I should have said 1.5. That should have been the number. I should have not said two. Anytime I, sh- I should have done one and a hook, KG. Let's go 1.5. Because I think that. two's the number. So I think they get two. We'll I say agree. one and a half. Did I get you on the hook? Are you, are you in on the hook as well? Yeah, no, I, I'm going over. I think this game's going to be hideous. I think you're going to have turnovers on both sides. And Talia, <laughs> he will turn the ball over. So, yeah, I'm going over on Virginia Tech forcing two turnovers. I think Virginia Tech will turn it over as well. And then here's the kicker. Over under 350 yards of offense for VT. If you're taking Virginia Tech, I kind of feel like you got to take the over here, Mac. Uh, and that's exactly why I'm not taking the over because of the turnovers that I just mentioned. I think oh, they get the okay. ball like on the 20 yard line, on the 30 yard line, and somehow, you know, get in the end zone there, kick a field goal. Uh, yeah, I, this game's going to be ugly. I, I just have that feeling. Uh, so I, I'm taking the under with the yardage. I, I don't think there's any way they get over 350. Me too. Unless they rush for 350. I'm not oh, sure if that's happening. Oh, could happen. Um, but you know what? This game might be hideous, but it's still postseason football. And so we're That's all excited. that matters. That's all we're that matters. We're happy to have it. That's right. Guys, we have to tell you about Richmond Weaver, our producer's brand new podcast. We've been hinting this for months, it feels like, for weeks at least. And he's been like, guys, it's coming. Don't worry. I'm going to release this and you'll be so excited. It is called Automatic, Automatic with Richmond Weaver, Steffi Sorensen. They'll be breaking down men and women's hoops all season long. KG, these guys will not want to miss a single episode. I know Steffi. She is a, a great basketball mind, does a lot of work with SEC Network. So, And, of course, we love Richmond. So this is definitely worth the listen. And speaking of not missing an episode, they just released their inaugural episode, with women's basketball analyst and insider, as Steffi described her, the female Woj, Rachel Galligan. So y'all be sure to check that out and go ahead and hit subscribe to Automatic on Apple Podcasts. Hey, listen, anytime I hear Woj anything, my ears go up. That's my guy. So when I heard that Rachel was the the equivalent of Woj, I had to check it out. Fantastic episode. You guys will not be disappointed checking that out. But that's it from us. Thank you all for listening to another great episode of Gramlich and MacLean brought to you by our friends, over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.